Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, everyone, it's that time of the month again. I mean, that, that, that time of the week again. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here at my home office, because that's the only place I can go, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And on this week's show, a uh, tobacco review of the newly released Cornell and Deal small batch Carolina Red Flake with Perique. Yum. They had me at Perique. That's all it took. Uh, and then my guest is uh, Dennis Congus. Dennis and I got uh, uh, inducted into the uh, uh, the Doctor of Pipes on the same year. And Dennis has a great uh, knowledge of Sheraton or Cheriton pipes, so you get we get to talk to him. Then we have uh, springtime music, mailbag, and a. Uh, rant that's more of a suggestion of what you can do with your time and uh, speaking of what you can do with your time <laughs> well this past couple of weeks uh, so so I get a little lazy with my lighters you, you all know the famous the Jeep lighter there it is uh, I so when I go out or when I'm going out for the day I want to make sure that I have two good fully uh, full fueled lighters in my pocket and with the Jeeps, the only way you know if they're full or not is if you, you know, when you get them brand new. Uh, so, uh, after a while and after, you know, when I travel, I would pack all brand new lighters to take with me on a trip because that way I didn't worry about them running out. So, long story short, after a while, I would end up with an assortment of partially used lighters. Well, since I've been home now and uh, not really going anywhere and smoking more than normal... I've been just, you know, making sure and using up lighters and using them till the very end. <laughs> uh, using them until the only thing left is the occasional little spark. And actually threw out, I think, three lighters this, yeah, three lighters this week. Uh, the current one that I'm working on is a yellow Bic lighter that I have no idea how I got it, but I can't use it for the beginning of the bowl. And I'm just working on finishing it up because it's a lighter and I hate to throw away useful things and I hate to not use them up all the way. So let's see if they sound any different. Here's the Dejeep and here's the Bic. Yeah, a little tinnier. Anyway, there you go. All right. So been using up my time to finish, uh, finish up lighters around the house and get all my lighters yeah, organized. All right, there you go. Uh, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. 
you're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, th this is going to be a short but somewhat different and slightly odd review. All right, you ready? So uh, last week, Cornell and Deal dropped a new small batch, and this one was uh, limited to 10,000 uh, two-ounce tins. And on the day it came out, I got 10. One for now and nine for later. That's normally how, if I, if I know something like this is going to be in my wheelhouse, that's normally how I buy it. All right. That's how I built up a, uh, a stockpile, a, uh, yeah, uh, you know, my zombie apocalypse stockpile of tobacco. But here's the interest. So this is, so this is right up my alley and only 10,000 tins. And before I started recording this morning, which is Tuesday, I went online and they're sold out. So there you go. Um, so here's what here's here's how they describe it on the tin. In case you missed it, uh, we created Red Flake as a tribute to the Old Belt, to the traditional harvesting and processing of Carolina tobacco straight from Carolina soil. Building on that tradition, we now introduce Carolina Red Flake with Perique. Elevating equal measures of stoved and unstoved Red Virginias from 2018 with a generous portion of genuine 18-year-old St. James Perique. The resulting flavor balances pepper and spice with the influences of port wine, stone fruits, and citrus. It's rich, deep, and complex. It's how a Virginia Perique flake should be. There you go. All right, here's my quick interpret. Here's my quick, uh, uh, my my quick opinion of it. Uh, when you first open it up, those are some uh, beautiful, mostly darker on the reddish side flakes with what looks like a decent amount of perique in it, but not not as much as I would have expected from the from the name. Uh, when you smell it in the tin. All I could pick up was the Red Virginias, or the Virginias, and I could pick up what I thought was younger Virginias. Uh, so I went through three or four different ways of prepping it. One, I tried it straight out of the pipe, uh, straight out of the out of the tin, rubbing it out, and I found it to be too wet. Uh, two, I rubbed it out, let it dry down a little bit, and that got it better. Three, I let the flakes sit and just sit and dry out for about an hour or so. And then I just kind of did the tuck and fold method. And that bowl was probably my favorite up to that point. The uh, fourth way that I screwed around with it was I took about, uh, yeah, probably about a quarter of an ounce of it and put it in a glass jar. And on Saturday morning, I put that glass jar in the window and let the sun do its job to it and the sun did its job until this morning when i took that out and tried playing around with that in two or three different packing methods now the when i take tobacco and i put it out in the sun like that that sun warms it even on a cold day the sun will warm it up and helps with the aging because in this blend and this is my opinion uh the 2002 St. James Perique is too old and has kind of lost some of that periqueiness up against the youngness of these Virginias. 
so what that sun did was it helped bake off some of the youngness of the Virginias. And what I found with after baking it in the sunshine for three full days, well, we didn't have full days of sunshine, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, what I found was the first one fifth of the bowl was the red Virginias. And then after that, I got that deep, earthy, rich Perique punch that I like. I got that tingling in my stomach. I did not get any of the pepperiness out of it. And so here's my advice for the future. And here's what I'm going to do with the nine full tins that I still have. Uh, I'm going to let them age and I'm not going to let them age for too long. Uh, I'm going to let them age for about six months to a year and then check on them because I don't want that Perique to get much older, but I want those red Virginias to calm down or those Virginias to, to calm down. And then when I'll be interested to see if the Virginias eat up some of the moisture in the tin and maybe get a little bit drier. Uh, but again, I'll be looking at drying it down a little bit. Uh, the remainder of this tin that I have, which is probably, uh, God, I've probably smoked six or seven, eight bowls out of it. Uh, I'm going to put it into this glass jar and let it bake in the sunshine because that was the way I liked it the most. Uh, I rubbed out all the way after letting it dry a little bit, but baked in the sunshine worked the best for me. And I think it would work the best for you too. But again, don't let it age too long because those old periques in there, you don't want those, you don't want the sugars in the Virginia eating it up and starting to break it down. So not one for long-term aging, but definitely one that, uh, you know, more than, uh, more than a month in the can will definitely be helpful for it. All right, there you go. Uh, sorry, you can't get any more. Uh, wish I could get more, but I can't. So Carolina Red Flake with Perique from Cornell and Deal Small Batch. And in just a minute, Dennis Congas. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and visiting, joining us is a uh, friend of mine and uh, fellow, uh, you and I are uh, classmates of the, uh, of the uh, Doctor of Pipes because we share the same alumni date. That's right. That's right. But uh, pipe collector and uh, pipe show uh, stalwart Dennis Congas. Dennis, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Brian. Nice to be here. Now you, uh, we, we didn't. We're not exactly the same age. You've been around just a just a few years longer than me. Thank you, but only a couple. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. A couple uh, decades. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when did you start smoking a pipe? It was around 1962. I was at Kent State University, and there was a tall, blonde, thin, rather distinguished dean of students who smoked a pipe. And I thought, wow, that <laughs> looks cool. So I bought a pipe and some tobacco, 50-cent pipe and 15-cent tobacco, and 
and started on it and uh, been at it ever since. Now, did you have somebody kind of mentor you on how to smoke a pipe or how to pick out the right first pipe, or did you uh, did you suffer the agony like a lot of us? Well, in those days, there was always a little booklet or a pamphlet where they had pipes and cigars that you could pick up, and it told me how to take care of my pipe with the pipe cleaners and uh, keeping it clean and uh, emptying your tobacco, rotating your pipes, and, you know, the whole works. So that was nice in those days. So you were you were kind of uh, you had a yeah you had a little advanced guidance and then you jumped right in and and fell in love with it. Yeah, actually, I would talk with the dean of students about pipe smoking, and he would he would give me advice on how he took care of his pipes and how he packed his pipes and how often do you puff so it doesn't get too hot and if it gets too hot, what do you do? So yeah, so I had a little bit of coaching there. Did he have a pipe that you remember just wanting and, and uh, drooling over? Yeah, most of my pipes are very cheap, but he was smoking a Dunhill Prince shape, black sandblast. Uh-huh. And I thought that was the coolest pipe, oh man, back then. And uh, we would talk about it, and finally he said, one day, uh, give me 20 bucks and it's yours. Of course, about fell over. Uh, <laughs> two months later, when I saved up enough money, I gave him the $20 and got that nice little Dunhill, and that was my first really expensive pipe. Now, do you still have that pipe? No. When I went to Minnesota in the mid-'70s, Gene Thompson had the Toback Shop up there, and there'd be 10, 12, 15 of us get together every Saturday and trade pipes. We'd fight, argue, lie, cheat, wrestle, everything we, we could do, all the fun things you do, you know, at a group like that, to trade pipes, and I, I did trade it off regretfully. Now, Gene Thompson is a name that's come up a couple times on this show, because he was, he was a retailer, then he went to work for Lane Limited in the, uh, uh-huh. in the last years of his life, he was working with McBaron, and... Uh, Sure, wish he was. Wish I, I wish there was still an, a lot of guys like Gene around. Yeah, Gene was a good guy. He had a wonderful pipe shop up in uh, Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, right next to the campus where I worked. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. Went to work at McAllister College on uh, administration, and then two blocks down the street is this huge pipe shop, pipe and cigar shop. I thought I was in heaven. And then we would get together, like I said, and trade pipes and smoke pipes together. It was fantastic. Don't have anything like that anymore. No, and you're down in Orlando now, which is uh, tobacco tax hell. So that kind of yeah. chased all the pipe shops out. The only pipe shop I even know about is Vero Beach. And it's a very nice one. My wife and I, this next, uh, well, we're going to drive down this during the next week or so, but until this corona thing is done. But when that's done, yeah, I plan to go down there and visit. They have cases full of new pipes and estate pipes. And you can sit in a nice stuffed chair and uh, have a smoke with them. Now, when did your uh, love of uh, Cheriton, or as we call it, Sheraton, when did your love begin? Well, that's an interesting story. I was, uh, at, like I said, at Kent State University in the early 60s, about 63, 64, I was in the choir, and uh, there was another guy in the choir who uh, uh, came from money, but we would talk about pipes and smoke a pipe together, and he asked me if I had ever been to Best Side Pipe Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio, 
I said, no. I said, let's go on up sometime. I said, oh, okay, sure. So we drove up, walked in the door, and they had a huge case full of some weird pipe called Sheraton. Never heard of that before, but oh, my goodness, they were beautiful. So uh, he had money, so he bought one. I was so, so jealous, and I kept looking at this one huge uh, selected that I wanted, and uh, he finally said to me, if you buy that pipe and you don't like it, he would give me the money, whatever I paid for the pipe, and buy the pipe from me. I still have it. <laughs> so I know that pipe is 1963, so my math is so bad, so that's how old that that pipe is now. And that still smokes wonderfully. Now, how much was a Sheraton selected in 1963? Uh, Sheraton selected was outrageous. It had just gone from $35 to $50. So I had to lay it away for a couple months, but uh, the owner of the shop was very kind and allowed me to do that. Wow. And been smoking it off and on with Mother Sheraton's ever since. So that <laughs> that was the first one. How long did it take before you had a second one? Um, about a, two years later, I got out of college, and I uh, was married, and uh, I would go down to that Best Eye Pipe Clinic in Cleveland, since I lived nearby, and would, would visit once in a while. And he asked me, uh, you looking for a part-time job? I said, let me think about that, yes. <laughs> and uh, I went to work there uh, part-time uh, in, the, in the shop, learning to polish and uh, uh, rejuvenate pipes and how to sell pipes and learning about his tobacco. And there was a Sheraton there, sort of a prince shape, uh, and uh, I laid that away with my salary. I was supposed to take it home and spend it on my wife and baby, but, you know, men have priorities in life. <laughs> and uh, so I picked up my second one that way. And uh, really didn't have much after that for a while, because, like I said, I was married and had a child. And then I went back to college uh, in uh, 1970. And I didn't finish my bachelor's degree when I started and I finished that and went off to graduate school at Indiana University and I would hang around the pipe shop near the university there. Some guys came down from Indianapolis and they were interested in pipes and Sheratons. So we started the Indianapolis Briar Friars Pipe Club back then and then I was able to get some Sheratons, buy, sell, trade, you know, during the uh, pipe shows. So you, you've been horse trading pipes for, uh, for longer than there's been horses really. Yeah, I think so, yeah, and I, w I would uh, uh, ride a horse uh, to the pipe show once in a while, but, <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time, but it was fun, and uh, then when I got to Charlotte, I, Tom Craney and I uh, started the Classic South uh, Pipe Show together, and I've been involved with that, too, but, yeah, I've been involved in pipes one way or another. Uh, I don't know, did you know Bruce Spencer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with PCI, yeah quite a bit involved with them and uh i don't know you go to those I, that's where i got addicted to shows I, I love going to shows talking to people hanging out smoking pipes together buy sell trade fight argue cheat lie all the fun stuff i, I miss it and there might have been a little bit of drinking involved later on in the night only vitamin water right yeah McCallan, Balvenie, you know you know, vitamin water like that. Yeah. 
Now those early those early pipe shows. I mean, you you've been doing this way longer than I have, so I want to learn. Those early shows, there might have been maybe one retailer that was kind of the the sponsor of it, and then the rest of it was just collectors that were buy sell trading with each other. You know, in, when I was at, in Bloomington, Indiana, in grad school, there the uh, owner of the pipe shop would allow us to to meet there, and then we would actually start meeting in homes in somebody's kitchen. Be five, six, seven of us uh, meeting, and we'll do some trading and you know smoking together. And finally, it grew a little bit into maybe we ought to advertise this. Sent, and back in those days, you sent out flyers. We put our money together and sent out flyers and started the Indiana Briar Friars Pipe Show, which which lasted maybe what ten years, and uh, did a lot of lots of trading. And those were the days when we had collectors. No retailers, no pipe makers, nothing, just collectors. So we buy, sell, trade, mostly trading, swapping pipes. I was in a six-person trade one time, <laughs> so we all ended up with pipes that we wanted. <laughs> I've, I've gone to, yeah, I've been going to pipe shows now for 20 years, and I can't imagine getting six pipe smokers to sit down long enough <laughs> to agree that, okay, he gets that one, you get those two, I get that one. Yeah. And then keep their attention over that time. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what happened. I'd want to get a pipe, and he'd say, well, no, but I want that pipe from so-and-so. So we went over there and talked to so-and-so, and he said, sure, but I want this pipe from so-and-so. <laughs> so, you know, we worked our way around. It turned out to be a six-person trade, and everybody ended up with the pipe that they wanted. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more about pipe shows and Cheriton with uh, Doctor of Pipes, which I, I, I alluded to, but uh, Doctor of Pipes, Dennis Congas. So we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Dennis Congus, a noted Sheraton collector and, um, and horse trader. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out how you got six people to agree to make one, you know, to work on a trade. But uh, now we, we, were, we were all as zealots, you know, we were going to make this trade no matter what. So <laughs> it gets done and we all knew each other. You know, and they were all honorable men, so you know, we were happy doing it. Now, when did your when did your Sheraton? Uh, what what it was? It can you pick one thing about Sheraton that kind of that tickled your fancy? Probably the shapes, 
back in early days when I started doing pies, everything was a classic billiard apple, you know, a Dublin kind of shaped pipes. And then these, this weird company came out called Sheraton with these free hands that were absolutely gorgeous grains. You know, I fell in love at that point. I remember in the shop when I was there in 1966, they had Costello's. They couldn't give them away. You know, we'll give you $10 if you take this Costello. No, no, thanks, <laughs> we're not interested. They were just breaking into the market, and some of the Danish were just starting to break into the market, and people weren't interested initially. But, you know, that changed a lot in time. So with with Sheraton for you the the hunt for the uh, for for the unique shape as well as the grain matching with the shape and then yeah. uh, did it help that they were sometimes you know kind of graded awkwardly high or low depending on what mood they were in later on you know I discovered that but uh, working at the uh, pipe shop uh, you know I learned a lot about Sheratons and shapes and sizes and also there was a place in Columbus which is about an hour and a half drive away called Smoker's Haven yeah and that was like going to the temple you know I felt, I felt like bowing when I went in the door 10,000 GVDs two or three cases of Dunhills and Sheratons and smelled wonderful those tobaccos they smoked so I would uh, lay away money for Sheratons there, and we'd pick up one every every couple of years. Were you making these uh, these road trips to pipe shops just to go to pipe shops? Yeah, they would. Yeah, it'd be either a date with a girlfriend, <laughs> or when I was married the first time with my wife, was in Smoker's Haven one time, and uh, they had this pipe sitting way back on the shelf. It was a huge monster bent, what we call a cup and saucer now. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, a supreme, and it was just for demonstration, because he said uh, nobody would want to buy a pipe that large. And I fell in love with it. That must have been, who, oh, maybe, maybe 1964, 65, or, or late 60s. And I always wanted one. 20 years later, Almost to, to the day, the month, I was at the Indian uh, pipe, uh, Briar Pipe uh, Show, and uh, Basil Sullivan, you probably have heard his name, yeah. he's quite a Sheraton collector at the time, had one on his table, a, a huge cup and saucer supreme. And uh, I asked him, would you take payments? Well, he was a friend, so he did. So I would pay him $50 every couple months, and that's how I got my first big cup and saucer which I still have. Now I have a, a seven-day set of the large Sheraton uh, cup and saucers. My favorite shape by far. But it was 20 years after I saw the first one that I got my second one, and it was almost another 20 years before I saw another one. And uh, you'll probably laugh at this. A friend of mine, Mark Lindner, and I invented St. Sheraton. So we would ask St. Sheraton to help us out <laughs> when we went to pipe shows. And over the next three or four months, I ended up with three more cup and saucers. <laughs> so I believe in St. Sheraton. <laughs> so now you, now you got, now you have to go, you know, before a pipe show, you have to say your prayers to St. Sheraton. And then, and then at night, do you, uh, do you give a sacrifice to the saint if you've done well? 
exactly. I sacrificed several ants and bugs to St. Sheraton and it paid <laughs> off. And that's, uh, I ended up with my seven-day set and the last one I got two years ago and then haven't seen any since except on eBay for enormous prices. When did, uh, well, at, at the peak of it, what, how big was your Sheraton collection? And your wife's not listening, so you can say it. Yeah, no, she's, she's in another room. It's okay. Uh, of my keepers, there are about 50, 40, 40 to 50. I haven't counted. People always ask me that, but I never counted, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Because, <laughs> you know, I, you fall in love with a pipe, and you, you buy it, and you have it, and then you fall out of love, and then you swap or trade, you know, pipes. Or now, when I buy a new pipe, then I have to sell an old pipe so I don't tie up a lot of money since I'm retired. So I still get, get Sheratons now and then. I have a friend named Bob DeRossi, who was a, a medical researcher in Indianapolis, so we'd get together with at the pipe shows. But he lives in Naples now, and he was get, getting out of pipes. So he, would, he sends me a box every once in a while and says, you know, sell what you can and keep a percentage. So that happens once in a while, and I can sell some pipes for other people, which makes it a lot more fun. And he, he liked large pipes, too, so he had some huge Sheratons. Do you remember the day you know, when the pipe shows went from collectors all sitting around haggling with each other and haranguing on each other to the more commercial-style shows that they are now? Yeah, I think it started in, in the late 80s. All of a sudden, retailers were showing up, and uh, some cigar people were invited, and uh, some pipe makers started, you know, more American uh, pipe makers emerged and uh, got very popular. And now, it's very little pipe trading. It shows it's, it's all buying, buying and selling. But, uh, that, you know, it, it changed. I don't know how and why, but <laughs> it did. Yeah. What tobaccos did you start out smoking, and then you can go ahead and <laughs> then you can go ahead and make us all jealous with all the great old tobaccos yeah. that you've had? Well, I started out with Edgeworth Ready Rubbed. Wow, my my tongue is still healing. In <laughs> nineteen fifty two, uh, yeah, well, it, it was where I started, and then I went to Englishes. I learned about Englishes when I went worked at the pipe shop. And smoked those until oh, maybe mid or late 90s. And for some reason, I started reacting to the nicotine. I'd get shaky and a little lightheaded. I'd want to put my head down on the counter at the pipe shop and go to sleep. <laughs> so I switched over now to some very light aromatics. I can smoke as much as I want, and, and I'm fine. But I, I smoked Englishes for years. Smokers Havens tobaccos, all those Englishes. Bengal slices, I enjoyed some of the Dunhills, those heavy Latakias, loved them, but I can't handle that anymore for some reason. Was tobacco aging and uh, cellaring or stockpiling was that a big thing back then, or? Uh, it started to be uh, late eighties, early nineties, or nineties. People start stocking up on tobacco because you kept hearing rumors about. The law, you know, is going to stop people from smoking or you can't sell tobacco and all that kind of stuff. So people started stockpiling, and, and they still still do. I have a very small supply, but my aromatics are pretty easy to come by nowadays. 
Yeah, and the and the aromatics don't really benefit much from a couple of years of aging like the like the English no. and the Virginias do. No. So No, they they stay about the same. Now they don't age well. So I have a couple cans uh of uh, some English tobaccos I keep for a change of pace once in a while, but my regular now is aromatics and of course all my friends think I'm crazy uh that I can smoke aromatic in a Sheraton. But, uh, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> but that's what you like, and that's fine with, that's fine yeah. with, uh, you know, yeah. fine with me and, and yourself. And I can smoke the aromatics in the house, and that's acceptable. The Englishes didn't go over very well in the house. <laughs> but uh, the aromatics, uh, well, my wife says they smell all right. Is there a pipe that you've owned in the past that you would like to get back? Oh, there are probably, yeah, there are several uh, of, the, of the larger Sheratons uh, where I needed some money, so I had to sell them and uh, wish I could get them back. And once in a while, I'll see them. Uh, in 1967, I bought a GBD Unique, uh, my first one at Smoker's Haven. And then uh, 10 years later, I was in Minnesota, and we got involved in trading, and I traded it off. About five or six years ago, I was uh, at the Chicago Pipe Show up in Tony Soderman's room, and on his bed, there it was. So I paid twice for that one <laughs> that one GBD, and I still have it. Yeah, so pipes will go around, and uh, you'll, you'll see them again quite often. And the uh, and the uniques are kind of in that style of Sheraton, where they're all individually designed and shaped. So that would be right yeah. up your alley. Yeah, and you know Horace Jameson, the famous carver. You know when people have one, no, oh, this is a Jameson, just a Jameson. Well, they're not all Jamesons, but sometimes you can tell by his distinctive carving. But yeah, GBD uniques, I love them. I have a collection of about twelve or fourteen of them, and. Uh, smoke just as well as my Sheratons. Now that you're retired, how often, how many times a day do you do you light up a pipe? Once a day. Once a day, I'll smoke one, one pipe full per day now. Uh, the weather's being nice, so I can sit out on a lanai and smoke too. I have some pipe smoking friends come over and we'll have a pipe smoking session together. And I've turned on several people to pipes and Sheratons. Of course, I'm totally objective when it comes to when it comes to that. But uh, yeah, we're we're slowly forming a small group here with pipe smokers. And you might have some pipes that they could uh, that they could buy from you too. Actually, yes, I do because I'll pick up something off of eBay once in a while and I'll get a good price. Or some friends will send me pipes to sell, and they're not that interested in the price, so we agree on a price. And and some of my friends here have purchased some of those. And uh, gotten started. I sold one two weeks ago to a friend of Sheraton Distinction. He loved it. So now he's saving up his money, and he said later this week he's going to buy another Sheraton from me. So, yeah, I, I can, uh, I've converted some people, which I feel good about. And in, and in retirement, what did you do for a career? I was in higher education. I, was a, uh, I also taught. I was an academic advisor a career development uh, counselor and what's called a college-level learning skills specialist where I would show students how to get A's in the least amount of time 
because the old high school level study skills uh, don't work so well at the college level. And well, uh, you know, since my daughter goes to East Carolina University, well, I'll allow you to say the name of the university that you just that you most recently retired from. Yes, uh, University of Central Florida. Yeah, where, where they have recently learned how to play football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in a very short time, they learned how to play football. Yeah, you know, they spent the money and got uh, people to donate and got some good coaching in there, turned everything around. In, in just a couple of years, they turned it around. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and last year, we would have been undefeated, but we lost three games by a total of seven points. But we had a young quarterback. Our, our regular quarterback, who was on the Heisman Trophy list, had his knee dislocated. And uh, now he's uh, not playing anymore. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to ask you a question. Yeah. Are you going to go to Columbus or in Las Vegas shows coming up? Boy, I'm going to, you know, by that time, I'm going to be really hoping to get to any pipe shows that are up <laughs> yeah. and running. Yeah, me too. I was signed up for the Raleigh show in April, and, of course, they canceled the show. Nice yeah. thing, I was on Delta, and they were very nice. They gave me e-credit or a refund, but I took e-credit uh, when I canceled the flight so I can use it for Columbus or Las Vegas. So I'm looking forward to it. It's been I don't know, the last pipe show I went to was last year at Raleigh, so I'm ready to go. Uh, do you have any uh, Do you have any fun stories of uh, of things people should not do at pipe shows? Especially, you know, kind of thinking of if they come up and approach you with a pipe, you know, to buy one of your pipes. Well, yeah, you know, it's, sometimes it's friendly stuff. Other times it's just uh, ignorance or lack of experience, but I'll have a pipe and, uh, and guys will say, oh, it's worth 150 bucks. But if they have the same pipe, well, no, it's worth three or $400. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, we go round and round and round about that. I like negotiating. You know, I'll have a price on a pipe and somebody will say, will you take such and such? No, I'll take such and such. And you go back and forth and back and forth and finally uh, have a price that you agree on. And, uh, People know that I sell Sheraton, so I usually have a table full of Sheratons, and, and I'm anxious to uh, answer questions and talk about Sheratons and how, how great they are. Dennis, it's always fun to talk to you. We will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. <laughs> what is your favorite pipe? Oh, let, let me think about that, Sheraton. Yeah, that was that was a tough one for you. Yeah, I have uh, several large bent Supremes, uh, so not only delightful to smoke, they're delightful to look at. And what is your favorite tobacco to put in them? Uh, I'm going to get a lot of criticism on this. I smoke an aromatic Cavendish vanilla. I love it. Tastes good. Nice thing about these inexpensive air aromatics i can smoke half a bowl put it down come back the next day light it up and it tastes just as good <laughs> i can't can't do that with englishes <laughs> do you have a couple different aromatics that you rotate through or are you just on that one yeah i got that one i have a uh, a golden virginia aromatic and one of my favorites is molto dolce Sutless Molto Dolce. D-O-L-C-E, Molto Dolce. Can't find it very often, but unless I go to shows. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? 
single malt scotch. And I have a collection of 21 single malt scotches right here on a liquor cabinet. And uh, unless I have company, I don't drink at home. When we go out to dinner, we'll have a couple of drinks together. But, yeah, they're just sitting here hoping people will come by and uh, drink some of this before it all evaporates. <laughs> you, may get a peep, you may get some people showing up. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> single malt scotches and a vanilla aromatic, that kind of goes together perfectly. Uh, wonderful. Or it goes with a good cigar, too. I have a collection of cigars. Yeah. Well, and uh, so scotch goes very well with any tobacco. And, but people have to realize they need to have good scotch. I've, I've talked to friends about drinking scotch, and they say, oh, I don't like it. Well, have you tried the good stuff? Well, they didn't know. So I would give them some. I'd mix it with water to make it just right because it turns sweet. And they taste this, and oh, my goodness, I've never tasted anything like this before. So I have my friends uh, coming over and drinking scotch, and we smoke pipes together. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Music, uh, because my wife and I are into jigsaw puzzles. It's something we can do together. It keeps the thinking skills sharp, and then it's a lot of fun. So uh, we do that with music in the background, but when we're not doing that, I like to watch 1920s, 30s, 40s whodunits on the television. Ooh. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we haven't talked about? That we haven't talked about? Mm. Yeah, one time I went to an antique store. I always heard about people going to antique stores and finding pipes. It never happened to me. Well, I went one time, and there was a huge Sheraton, outrageously priced at $15. <laughs> I about broke my fingers getting my wallet out and bought that pipe. So that, that made my day, my week, and my year, finding that big Sheraton for that price. They were happy, and I was happy. The antique store finds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't happened since, but I'm, I'll keep looking. So if you come to a pipe show, you'll see Dennis. He's got the table with a bunch of Sheratons. Usually has little tent cards or little cards written out about each one and uh, uh, does not exactly have a full head of hair anymore. But uh, walk up, exactly. say hi, and take a look at some great Sheratons. Dennis, thank you very much. Uh, take care of yourself, and I'll uh, see you somewhere at a pipe show. Thank you, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Um, yeah, look, God, I'm looking forward to seeing Dennis at a future pipe show. And uh, check out his table. All right, for music, figured springtime was uh, 
springtime is here so let's go back uh, this has nothing to do pipe smoking related except that the f last time i heard this performed live i was sitting next to dan locklear uh, but it's from Beethoven's Sixth, which is a pastoral, and this is the third movement called the Merry Gathering of Country Folk, and it's just fun, light, you know, uh, you know light, upbeat, and just enjoyable for the springtime. So here's uh, Beethoven. Thank you. 
you are interested, you can hear the full Beethoven 6th on uh, Spotify. And while you're there, you can listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show, just like many, 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 many of you are. And remember, if you have comments or questions, you can email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can uh, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com, just like uh, these folks did. Regarding last week's show with uh, Richard Ferber from Pipeville, Casey Ghost says, This was simply a terrific show. Richard, a.k.a. Pipeville, was simply a wonderful guest. The amount of work he has done to develop his website simply staggers the imagination, and its value to the pipe community is simply staggering. When I used to handle the KC Pipe Club newsletter, I published a number of articles using the Pipefill Bizarre Pipes section of his website. He had some real doozies in the section. Surprisingly, the music selection was very good. Well, thank you, Dan. And our very own Crash the Gray writes, Great show. It was wonderful to hear so much about a website that most of us have turned to hundreds of times. I do hope it continues to build and he finds someone else to keep it going. We definitely need to use this time to be smoking our pipes on our walks and such. Great advice. Nice question, Ian. Ask a pipe maker. I have a couple artisan oil-cured pipes. They can sweeten the first few bowls, but afterwards there is no further discernible benefit to me. Yeah, I wonder uh, I wonder if anybody else said that same thing where the first, you know, on a on a uh, oil cured pipe the first bowl is uh, a little sweeter i don't know uh and then uh regarding the uh the bonus show that we're doing the food for thought shows if you haven't checked those out check them out we've got uh, three out now movies the playing the drums and home brewing uh the one coming up this friday is on uh, youth hockey in canada with uh pipe maker michael parks so that was kind of fun i got to learn a lot about hockey um anyway uh, uh, john ferraro regarding the drums casey ghost says john ferraro gave a fun interview which of course was wasted on me like general grant i know two tunes one's yankee doodle and the other one isn't <laughs> and then matt gus says love john ferraro such a great guy and a terrific talent too Nice to rub shoulders with such a class act as John. Thanks for doing this one, Brian. You are welcome, Mr. Matt Gus of the Seattle Pipe Club fame. Uh, and then going back to the movies, Renfield said, uh, thanks for the extra content. Much appreciated. So many great movies, so little time. You could have easily done an entire show on Kubrick. One of his great films, Paths of Glory, often gets overlooked. Set amongst the carnage of World War I, it's a brutal film with the brutality found not in the heat of combat, but instead in the dispassionate disregard for life amongst the leadership. Well worth seeking out great performances by Kurt Douglas and many others. Look forward to the next show. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's the, uh, you know, so again, these food for thought shows are simply just, uh, you know, a little in a little insight into something else that we normally don't do uh, and then uh, going way back to uh, way back to the last time uh, Neil Rohn was on uh, Mikhail Kiriaznas from Greece writes uh, just listened again to the interview Neil is a great man always a pleasure to talk with him on both pipe and non-pipe related things 
A Passion for Pipes was an incredibly well-written blog and a big school in my early pipe-making career. I'm happy that I got to see it and, and so sad when he took the decision to shut it down. So here's my, uh, here's my thoughts because a couple others chimed in after that. Why don't we all try to get Neil to put that back up so that we can read at least what was, uh, what was there. Uh, and then going on to uh, home brewing uh, with, uh, with my friend Jody, several of you said, you know what, we're going to get the old brewing stuff back out. And, uh, and then uh, Java 3 said, love the show and was reminded of all the work uh, involved, which is why I never moved forward with it. I really enjoyed the burp at, 10, at uh, 1035, truly a priceless moment. It was very generous of Jody uh, to share his time and his knowledge and hobby with us. And yeah, so apparently there's a whole handful of you homebrewers out there. So I didn't know it was that. Well, I knew it was a big thing, but didn't know it was that big of a thing. All right. Again, comments, questions, suggestions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, travel related stuff. Yes, we will be traveling again sometime soon. And there are a lot of deals on cruises right now for 2021. Uh, if you're interested, email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. And I will uh, help you out, advise, and uh, hopefully book something for you. And probably get a pretty good deal on it right about now. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review for us. If you're not on iTunes, please register on Apple Podcast or iTunes or whatever the hell they call it now. And go in there and leave us a rating or and a review. That would be much appreciated. And uh, let's see, uh, pipe-wise in this week, I got to hang out with the Austin Pipe Club and uh, James Foster and that group. That was fun. Got to see a couple pipe smokers. And then, so I went from, uh, last Thursday went from... Hanging out with pipe smokers for an hour and 45 minutes to then a, uh, a, a online, uh, an online Passover Seder hosted by my mom and nine other family members from across the country. So that was, uh, anyway, that was a different gear shift, but that was fun too. So, uh, hope you, uh, hope y'all are occupying your time as best you can. All right. In just a moment, a, uh. This isn't a rant or a rave, but it's more of a suggestion for you. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. get a lot of it half of it's spam the other half is junk i signed up for before well i've been using this time to unsubscribe from a lot of these emails over the past years that i've signed up for that i don't even remember why i signed up for them maybe i ordered some bulbs to plant in the yard one time and i still get emails from this company 
So I've been using this time to unsubscribe from all these emails that I really don't give a hoot about anymore and I just delete them on a daily basis. I mean, in my Hotmail account, I would get about 100 emails a day and I would read about five of them. So I've been going through and unsubscribing and unsubscribing and unsubscribing and then when I'd start get spam spams, I'd report them to Microsoft because I use Hotmail and Microsoft Outlook or whatever they call that stupid thing now. Um, I use that as my inbox, so I would report the scams and, and spams and the phishings and the spoofs and whatever. So I've been using that time, probably a half hour a day for the first couple of weeks, and then even less now as I've reported more and more and blocked more and more. And I've now trimmed my emails down to, you know what, about 30 a day. And out of that 30 a day, I'm still reading, well, maybe five or six of them a day. Man, maybe seven or eight. But there are companies in there that I want to hear from. So here's what you do. You just start unsubscribing, and it takes some time because sometimes you have to go through their server to do the unsubscribe, or sometimes your, uh, your email handler can do that for you. Just keep unsubscribing and unsubscribing, and as you get mail, just keep unsubscribing from it. And eventually, it'll trim down your inbox to where it looks manageable. And the same thing with the uh, with the spam spoof stuff. If you start sending out blocks and phishing notices and stuff, well, then the server people get smarter and smarter and smarter. It's kind of like it's kind of like hiring an exterminator and telling them, well, well, the bugs are over here, so go kill them over there, and then they pop up somewhere else. So you got to keep going around and around to get rid of all these spams. All right, please remember, uh, so apparently during this downturn, it looks like uh, YouTube and uh, podcasts, YouTube videos and podcasts are not seeing the downloads that they're used to because a lot of people are used to doing these things at work. <laughs> well, uh, remember the Pipes Magazine radio show, we've got every one of our episodes past and present available for you share it out on all the uh, pipe groups that you're a member of and let people know that you're listening and enjoying uh if you're uh looking for extra content the food for thought shows will keep those coming every friday uh until i run out of uh interesting things to talk about and uh you know really it does help the show if you keep sharing it out and mentioning it and tweeting about it and posting about it and uh, i don't know anybody else anybody here on snapchat no, I didn't think so. All right, there you go. So thank you very much to Dennis Congus for joining me, and thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Your computer is about to crash. Place your tray and seat backs in their upright positions. Place your head between your legs and kiss your keyboard goodbye.